So, we figured out who, who are children and who are parents. Have we figured that out yet? Some of you weren't sure whether you were a child or not. Um, some of you are still children. You're not sure about that. But that's uh, part of the process that we're going to go through is uh, figuring this out. Now, um, let's, let's try again. We've given you a little bit of time to figure this out. Some of you came in late. Those of you who came in late. The question was, how many of your parents? Let's see, how many of your parents? The other question was, how many of you have ever been a child? All right, 100%. All right, we're going good now. Now, would those of you who are parents, would you say that parenting can be a challenge? Is that putting it nicely? We are going to have a series of videos to help us understand the challenge of parenting. Uh, this one... I would not wish this problem on my worst enemy. Check out this video. You wouldn't want that problem either, would you? A baby look like that? Oh, my. So stay tuned. Each and every week we will have an episode from the candidate home about the challenges of parenting. Um, now, those of you who are married, how many of you remember your wedding day? If they're with you, you better raise your hand. That's all I can say. Now, uh, come on up, Janie. Some of you don't know Janie, my wife, because um, she's always downstairs working with children. She works with uh, the uh, 18 months to three years, right? Three years, they, they move on up. Now, um, yeah, she's saying three years old, she counts. No, not really. Um, this is my beautiful wife. She still looks good, doesn't she? 17 years this May, May 25th. We've been married 17 years. We've known each other 24 years, and we still like each other. And, uh, uh, well, I'm speaking from my side. I don't know about her side, but she pretends like she likes me. So it makes me think she does. 
Now, uh, 17 years ago, we were uh, standing together in front of my brother's church, First Baptist Colleyville. He was about to perform the ceremony. Now, um, she comes down in this white gown, and she is a knockout. I'm telling you, those big blue eyes, and she had her hair all fixed up, and um, she had no stinking clue what she was about to get into. None whatsoever. Uh-uh. Um, she had planned this out. For, I told you we've known each other for, for 24 years. So seven years prior to me popping the question, she had planned to marry me. Lapse in judgment aside, um, she had this all figured out. Now, it's a good thing she didn't let me know. She was smart enough not to let me know because I ran from commitment, all of those things. Now, um, when, when she's walking down the aisle, I'm standing there going, dude, she looks good. She's thinking, here is the man of my dreams. Now, she, you know, anyway, she, she doesn't know. Remember that. She doesn't know. But she's thinking, this is the man of my dreams. Romance? Oh, man, we're getting married. He's going to take care of my romantic needs. He's going to take care of me. He's my protector. You know, all of this stuff. I'm standing there, and the thought that hits me, and I don't care how good a man you are, the thought that is hitting you is, oh, no. (laughs) Now, wait, 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 wait. Let me explain. Because the thought is not, oh, no, I'm marrying her. No. The thought is, oh, no, now I've got to do... I have responsibility. I've got to take care of her. I moved from pursuer, which I was a pretty good pursuer, right? Yeah, I did a great job of pursuing... But all of a sudden, when we're standing there and I'm in my tuxedo and my hair, you'll see some of that next week, I'm thinking, dude, I, I can't pursue anymore. The pursuit was part of the fun. Now I've got to get a job. I've got to work. I've got to pay bills. Oh! So no matter how good the man is, he's, he's thinking, I'm not pursuing anymore. I've got to provide. All right? That's, that's part of the problem as we move into that deal. Now... That's okay, though, if a guy thinks I'm provider because sometimes the wife works too. When we first got married, I was going to seminary and I was working a part-time job. Part-time is a joke there for a church. I was a youth minister and we took 180 teenagers to camp. That's not a part-time job. Uh, But I did that and Janie was a teacher. She was a home economics teacher, so we both worked. But that's okay because we would come home and we would still have time to connect. It was okay working because we still had date nights. Once a week, we would turn off the phone and sometimes we would go to, to Wendy's and just get a Frosty. Whatever it was, it didn't matter because we were connecting. Saturday morning, she would sleep in and I would sleep as late as I could and then we'd get up and we'd just do stuff together. But then, somewhere along the line, I don't know how it happened, but we had a baby. <laughs> Come here, Caleb. Now, it's no accident that I named this series PG-13, because guess how old my baby is? Thirteen. Praise God he didn't come out this size. Like Drew, you know, like the Canadays with their Drew baby, because that would just cause problems. Now, when Caleb was born, Janie changes gears from being just wife. Now she is mother. You know, it's this new gear she shifts into. From the moment she realized she was pregnant, she went into this nurturing mode. And the closer you get to the, the, the birth of the baby, they start nesting, you know, and building nests and kicking you out of the nest because you don't fit and, you know, everything's just right. But that's still okay for a time. Because what she does, she has the baby and then, you know, she's still working, finishes out the job, but then she becomes full-time mom, which is what she's always wanted to do is be full-time mom. She's devoted to this little creature, and he was so cute as a baby. He's still pretty cute. Yeah, he still looked good. 
He was so cute as a baby. But here's the problem, and this is where a lot of uh, marriages, a lot of families get off track. It's when this season of her being nurturer and me, you know, I'm not first anymore and my ego didn't like it. You know, I understand having a baby and at 11 months when homeboy was crying all night and we're not sleeping, I rolled over at 3 o'clock in the morning and said, we are never having another child. We're done. Because he would not sleep. And so what, what naturally happens is the husband picks up something, some type of hobby. Well, you know what I did? I fished. And I fished like there was no tomorrow. Three, four times a week, I was fishing. And that was okay with her because she was taking care of baby. And she had another reason to go shopping. Because there he is. I mean, he needs stuff. This isn't just I want to go shopping. He needs stuff. So she's taking care of all the shopping needs. She's being the mom and the nurturer. I have to have some way to recreate because I'm, I'm a youth minister and that's just an insane job all the time. And so I'm, I'm out fishing and having a good time. But the problem is, what happens the distance between me and mom and baby? Yeah. You don't even know each other. And so if I don't make a conscious choice to move back towards them with my schedule, with my time, then, then I don't know her. I don't know him. Of course, he was like, you're not the mama. You know, that, that was the way all of my kids were. Um, I, they come out knowing you're not the mom, Dad, and you're just... But the cool thing was, I didn't know this at the time. When we had m- more children, I became cool because he got put out of the center of the universe when Rachel came along. He became my boy, and we hung out... Because, and he would just not even pay attention to mom. We have videos of him crawling around over the weights. We used, I used to lift weights. That was a long time ago. But he was crawling all over the weights and he would hang out. I would just go to Walmart just to hang out with my son. Isn't that the weirdest thing ever? I'd carry him around on my arm like this. This is my son. This is my son. Rachel, you're not the mama. You are not the mama. Rachel would have nothing to do with me for two years until Hannah was born. Then I became cool. It's never happened with Hannah. She's eight years old. She still doesn't think I'm cool because we didn't have another one to replace that. Yeah, she does now. We, we have a good relationship now. But here's the point that I'm trying to make. When, when this season of life becomes a way of life, I get further and further away from the ones that I'm supposed to be closest to. And this helps explain why the second leading time period of divorce in marriages... 20 plus years. You know why? Homeboy goes off to college. I don't know her. I don't know him. We're strangers living in the same house. Not only do we not like each other, we don't even know each other. Okay, young be seated. Thank you so much for, for subjecting yourself to that. Now, this problem gets bigger and bigger and jumps up and bites you before you even know it, because you've not made a conscious decision, parents, husbands, wives, to spend time together. And the child comes out thinking it's center of the universe, and don't expect the child to go quietly into the night and give up that prized role, that prized position without a fight. Now, we're not trying to start any fights today. What we're going to try to do over the next few weeks is try to figure out a balance in our lives so that we can connect with those that we love. Our goal is that when our kids go, 
we are partying. <laughs> we like each other and we spend time together and we do all kinds of things with our kids now. We love our kids. They know it. But it is natural. Our kids will say, you going on a date with mom? That's been a while, hasn't it? I need to go on a date. Yeah, you do. Go ahead. We'll be all right. My kids know that because we've trained them that date night is something that we're going to do, whether it's just going to get coffee or whether it's going to Walmart or a movie. We were talking about going to some movie and, and they were like, yeah, was, no, you're not invited. This is, this is date night. I'm, I'm going to go with mom. Now, um, what we've got to understand is parenting is a temporary job. One day your children are going to leave home, hopefully, and after they've gone, the character that you built into them will guide them. Now, I want you to see what Jesus told us very clearly in the Scripture. Matthew 12, 33. This is a promise from Jesus Himself. If you grow a healthy tree, you'll pick healthy fruit. If you grow a diseased tree, you'll pick worm-eaten fruit. The fruit tells you about the tree. Now, what this means is we need to pay closer attention to the type of fruit, the kind of tree our children is becoming, rather than the particular fruit they may be producing on a particular day. You may see some rotten fruit from day to day, but if the overall progress, the trajectory of your child's life is becoming this solid tree, then I think you can say, oh, thank you, Lord, it seems like we're making progress. Because this temporary job, this is the only job in the universe that you don't know the results of your parenting techniques until they hit the, the 13, the teenage years. And then really the 18 to 20 years old, you don't know the results of your parenting until they leave the home. Now, here's the deal. We are not looking at the here and now. We're preparing our children for the future. And we want, we want our kids to be more than just people who obey. How many of you can obey when the policeman is right there? How many of you obey the posted speed limit when you can see the cop? Let me see your hands. Some of you are lying. Okay. You see the policeman, you obey the speed. That, we don't want somebody that just obeys when they see the policeman. Anybody can do that. Character, the people of strong character, obey when there's not the policeman around to say, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Right? So we want children to become people of character. Now, this whole idea of, of character, it's formed in relationships. Your, your child is the sum total of the relationships that he has, the experiences that he has, and the choices that he's going to make. And what we want to do is we want to teach our children boundaries. Anybody know what a boundary is? Tell me. A border. What's a border? Not much in the United States. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, that went over like a lead balloon. Boundaries. All right. Here's what we're going to do with a boundary. Boundaries are property lines so that you and I understand where you're supposed to go, where I'm supposed to go, and, and here is, this is a property line that's not to be crossed. Yesterday we spent ten hours at a gymnastics meet. Two sessions. We were in two sessions this year, praise the Lord. Ten minutes worth of video, ten hours worth of sitting in the bleachers watching my precious daughters do gymnastics. Now, there, is, there are boundary lines, and they are clearly defined when you are in the gymnastics center. Clearly defined. There are ropes. You are not to step across the rope. But there's also something that happened last night. Won't name any names, and it wasn't us. <laughs> it's usually me that I tell you dumb stories about. But this one's not me. We are sitting here on the front row, which is very, very hard to come by. We sit on the front row, and we are right next to the uh, floor exercise. 
Now, what happens in a gymnastics meet is you start on one rotation and you go around. You start on vault and then you go to bars and then you go to beam and then you go to floor. At least that's what our, our uh, team did yesterday. We're sitting right in front of the floor and so we see all of these beautiful little girls doing their floor routines. Well, there is a lady right here on the front row. Janie and I are sitting here. I have one of my daughters in my lap. Caleb's over there. And uh, it is a huge, huge deal if you step out on the floor while someone's doing their routine. This young lady is doing her last tumbling run, walk, coming across, you know, flipping through the air. This lady had been talking right here, did not realize that someone was doing their routine, turns around and just struts right out in the middle, almost gets nailed, and I'm screaming, Ah! I'm actually screaming her name at that point, and, and she doesn't, doesn't realize, and the judges were hacked. Because... They're no longer looking at this precious little girl. They're looking at this one walking out here, and they missed the end of the routine. How do you score that? Someone crossed the boundary, and it could have been a lot worse. I mean, you get kicked in the head by some flipping little girl. That wouldn't, wouldn't feel so good, you know? Boundaries are very, very important. And uh, <laughs> you have to understand that um, what a boundary means is when, when there's confusion with a child is when we don't teach them what they're responsible for because really this is what a boundary means. My responsibilities response close enough. Alright? Here's where the confusion comes with most kids. I have responsibilities. That's boundaries. Others' responsibilities are out here. When we have problem children it's because they think others should take care of their responsibilities. In fact, that's a definition of a child. Is someone out of control trying to control everyone else? And while we might overlook it in a child, it's pretty sad when it's an adult. And so what we've got to do is we've got to understand ourselves, the boundaries, my responsibilities, and I've got to draw strict boundaries. I have strict boundaries protecting my family from the church, and, and this church is wonderful about this. I have friends in ministry that there are no boundaries. So many people have asked me, are you moving into the house next door to the skating rink? And I said, not a chance. Because you know what would happen? We would never have a moment's silence. And it's not just y'all. People would be coming by the church all the time, knocking on the door. We need this, we need this. And I'm not, I'm not discounting that there really are needs out there. But there has to be... I'm determined my kids aren't going to be the typical preacher's kids. <laughs> I think part of the problem is this whole thing, there are no boundaries in most ministers' lives, and so their kids grow up resenting the fact that Daddy has no boundaries. When Janie and I first got married, we were in Arlington. I was youth minister. Like I said, I was going to school and being youth minister. She was teaching and uh, this lady, I still remember what she looks like. I still remember her son. Something really minor happened to her son, but she is the over-possessive type of mom. And so she calls the office. Well, I'm at school, at seminary, and so I, I don't get the message because I went from seminary home that day. And by the time I got home, Janie was home, and this lady had called her. First year of marriage. First year of marriage. Janie is not what you would call a confrontational person. So this lady calls and begins to rip her apart. 
Janie doesn't even know what's going on. Who are you? Who's your kid? I don't know. You don't know what's going on. When I get home, she's upset. So I'm like, what happened? And she tells me, well, I am the confrontational type. And so in a very loving, mature Christian manner, I dialed the phone. And actually, actually, I did calm, calm down and, and, and I prayed before I called. But I called and I said, uh, hi, this is Doug, and, and I understand there's a problem. We worked out the problem just very quickly, very quickly. And I said, um, I need you to do me a favor. She said, oh, yeah, what's that? I said, don't ever call my wife again. What are you talking about? I said, you were rude, you attacked my wife, and you crossed the line. Well, um, I, and she's just stumbling. I said, wait, wait, I'm, I'm not done. <laughs> I serve on staff at the church. The church pays my salary. You called the church. I wasn't there, and you were frustrated that you didn't have anybody to yell at. So you called my wife. I said, my wife is not on staff. Don't ever call my home again. Well, I thought we hired you both. I said, no, you didn't. You knew very well that I was on staff. You wanted somebody to yell at. You crossed the line. Don't ever call my wife again. Well, okay. And she hung up the phone. Janie and I, a couple years, were talking about this a couple years ago, and she said, I was so glad you did that, because here's my wife, non-confrontational, getting yelled at on the phone. She doesn't even know what's going on. She said, I did not sign up for this. But when I drew the boundaries, she felt secure and she realized that she was more important than my job. Guys, there's a lot of confusion out there about who your mistress really is. Is it your wife, or is it your job, or is it your hobby? If your wife is confused, so are, so are your children. And that's why we have a lot of problems in our families. Now, our children, actually all of us, are the sum total of what I already said. Our relationships... Relationships, the choices that we make, and our experiences. How many of you can control the choices that your children make? Let me see your hand. Good, that was a trick question. <laughs> I don't care if your child is newborn. You can't control them. Now, you can, you can try to set up very difficult boundaries, but your child is going to make some mistakes. Your child is going to make choices that you don't want. So you can't control the choices. Just get rid of that. There are going to be positive and negative experiences that you did not plan for your child that are going to happen to your child. Unless you're raising your kid in the basement, padded walls, you know, unless you're, unless you're totally not allowing them to, to be in society at all, you can't control all the experiences that happen to your child. So just get that out of your mind. The one thing you can have major impact in your child's life is the relationships. So what we're going to do for the next three weeks is we're going to talk about how we can influence the relationships in our children's lives. Um, The one thing I can be intentional in my kids' lives is this relationship part. I can, I can decide how much time I'm going to spend with my kid. It is a decision. I can directly impact the amount of God they get in our home. 
Um, one of our, we were sitting around the table the other night. This is something that Janie came up with, and it was a great idea. We were just going to, the kids wanted to have family night. That's something that we like to do is have family night. And um, we didn't have anything pre- planned. And so she said, what we're going to do is we're going to sit at the table around, around our dinner table, and we're just going to ask a question. Each person, each family member gets to ask one question, and you have to sit there with your mouth shut while every other family member goes in order and answers the question. There are no right or wrong answers. It was a blast. We asked things like, you know, what was your favorite vacation? We talked about vacations, and one of them say, oh, I know, I know, it's not your turn. And we'd go around, it was just a blast, and then one would say, oh, well, this was fun. Oh, yeah, I like that one too. I don't know. And we started talking about just all this different stuff. I don't know, we ended up spending 30 minutes just sitting at the table. Had a blast. We, um, we have input in our lives both with the, the time that we spend with our kids, but also you can, you can figure out how much God your kids are going to get in their lives. Um, and then there's something else that you can do. You can directly influence the uh, relationships your kids have outside the home. Now, this isn't just talking about um, increasing or decreasing the bad relationships. This is talking about increasing the good ones. So let's, let's look at a couple of things real quickly. Here are the dials that we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks. Not only are we going to talk about the next 20 years in your life and your children's lives, we're going to talk about what happens if you make the right choices in this area, what's going to happen, what's going to be the outcome of their life. But what we're going to do before that is we're going to say what would have happened in your life if your parents had dialed up these influences. The first dial that we're going to look at is my child's relationship with me. This is on your listening guide. Ephesians 6.4 says this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In other words, God is saying, don't alienate the relationship with your child. You will have conflict. Your child is not your ally in becoming responsible. (laughs) in your child's mind he has much to lose and very little to gain by becoming responsible do you understand what we're saying so so there will be conflict in your child's life because left to their own here's what your child says my life is my parents problem they'll take care of things for me my job is simply to make sure I get them to clean up my mess Uh, And this attitude applies to everything from school to athletics to friendships. Now, my job as a parent is to move my child from my life as my parent's problem to, dude, my life is my problem. So the whole goal of parenting is to get my kids to understand the boundaries. They have responsibilities for their own lives. Now, your parents may not have known this, and it may have greatly affected where you are today. At some point you got to quit whining about it. I'm not discounting the fact that you may be hurt by your past. But Alex said it earlier, you don't have to be defined by what your parents said to you or about you. The only one that determines whether that is your life trajectory is you. You want to get healed from it? Get involved in small groups. Get involved in Celebrate Recovery. We will show you God-proven principles to help you heal from what anyone did to you in the past, whether it's physical, sexual, mental, whatever it is, 
God has a pathway through His Word to healing. The reason you're not healed is you're not following God's path. The very definition of responsibility is the capacity to own one's life as one's own problem. When the Bible says bring one up, bring them up, it means to nurture. You bring them up in a way that you never lose influence because control is not really the issue. The reason a lot of kids rebel... I worked in youth ministry for 19 years. The reason a lot of kids rebel is because they didn't have a relationship with their parents. All kids are going to struggle a little bit, but the kids that, are, that, are, um, that have their love tank filled through relationship with their parents, through relationship with God, through positive influences from other people, they, stray, uh, they don't stray as far away, and it takes less discipline to bring them back. So we've got to be intentional about these things. We want to move from control to influence. When my kids were young, you know, they were totally dependent on me. Now that we're in the teenage years... Caleb and I have a lot more discussions. We even discuss possible discipline. <laughs> and, and I don't think he realizes that, but that's a conscious decision on my part to get him involved in the process. And I'll tell you what, he's a lot, more, he's a lot harder on himself than I am on him. Because I'll say, what do you think should be the discipline? Oh, well, I was thinking this and this. And I'm going, wow, Okay. I was thinking this. I'll take yours. You know, that type of deal. Um, but we, we, are, we are moving to a different deal. We, we pay Caleb a salary every month. And he has to make decisions. There are certain things that we don't buy. And every year on September 1, we increase the salary so that when he's 18, he's going to be totally on his own as far as what he has to buy. We don't go out and buy stuff for him. And if he falls flat, you got no money, there is no compassion in the house. Because we tell you ahead of time, you need to plan. You need to save 10%, you need to give 10%, and then you got 80% to spend. Spend it wisely because we're not bailing you out. It's not because we're mean, it's because we want him to be the healthiest, most prepared adult. We had a, uh, we had a uh, man ceremony for him last year and, uh, when he turned 12. And it was the coolest thing. We'll show you some videos from that in the weeks to come. Um, but the whole goal is... I, I remember being 21 and working for a man and him talking on the phone and I'm standing right here across the desk and, and I'm working for him. He's about to send me out to do a job. And he says, I have a man here that I'll send out because I, I was a handyman and I was going to go fix his rent house for college students. And he said, I have a man here. I almost turned around to see who else was in the room because I had never been called a man. This stranger, he wasn't too much of a stranger, but this guy I didn't know very well called me a man. It's the first time in my life anyone called me a man. I don't want my son to go through that. So we told him, we had about 25 men say, you're a man. Now, he doesn't have all the responsibilities of a man yet, but he's a man, and nobody can take that away from him. Um, the second dial that we're going to be looking at is my child's relationship with God. Now, there is a great promise, and I, when I wrote this down, I said there's a promise that we need to teach to every child. But as we, as we read through this promise from Scripture, I want you to think about how it applies to you, not to your child or your future child or your past, I don't know, um, your grown-up child. Look at this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. How often have you gotten in trouble by relying on what you think you know? 
Just circle that. You have that on your listening guide. That's just good stuff there. If we, if we began to live our lives like this, people would mistake us for wise people. They wouldn't be talking about how stupid we are. They'd say, man, there's wisdom there. And let me show you why. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and He will show you the right way. If we will teach our kids to trust God, He will be directly involved in showing them the right path to, to take. Would you say that there are many, many paths out there competing for the attention of your children? Yes. Um, do you want God to lead them, or do you want them to lead themselves? You've seen them grow up. <laughs> My parents still worry about me. If I could dial in this whole God thing, this is low influence, this is high. If I could turn the dial all the way up to high and teach my kids that here's, here's the, the formula. Trust in the Lord in everything you do. Then He'll show you the way. See, it's trusting God, committing your life to God first. Then He opens the way. You don't sit back and say, here's all the ways. God, show me what you got. And then I'll decide whether yours is worth it or not. God says, I don't operate that way. I made you. I know the best path for you. But I'm not going to force it on you. So if I can dial up this high thing and teach my kids, never rely on what you think you know. Trust in God and He'll show you the way. Oh, then I will, I will feel that, that my parenting has been a success. Surrender, then God will show. The last dial is my child's relationship with those outside the home. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise will become what? Oh, y'all don't understand. Whoever walks with the wise will become what? Wise. Whoever walks with fools will suffer harm. Your friends will determine the direction and quality of your life. How many times have you started a story about a really dumb decision you made with, I had these friends. Now see, we make dumb decisions by ourselves, but we usually say, save the really, really stupid decisions for when we're with a pack of stupid people. Right? I mean, years ago I heard about a soccer team that went over to Fairfield State Park. They were camping out. There was this hole. It was, it was like a, a pipe to an old well or something. I don't know the whole story. Here's what I do know. Someone said, let's pour gasoline in the hole and throw a match in. It gets better. Because I think there were six to eight of these guys. They said, not only let's pour gasoline and throw a match in there, let's watch it. <laughs> this is true story. They all came home with their eyelashes, eyebrows burned off of their bodies. Ain't no hiding that. Go to school. What happened to you? I had these friends who said, let's throw gasoline in a hole and light it. Um, <laughs> but here's the deal. This dial, it's, it's not so much dialing out the bad influences. It is intentionally finding people that will say the same thing you say so that I influence the people that influence my, my son, my daughters. Does that make sense? I want to find people who are going the same direction I am and I want them involved in my kids' lives because there's going to come a point and we are there at PG-13 
where what we say sometimes sounds dumb. Homeboy will come home after talking to Wes or Alex. You know what they said? Like, no, tell me. Tells me. And it's like it's the greatest idea ever because Wes or Alex said it. Like, dude, I told them ten years ago that same thing. You understand what I'm saying? I want people influencing my son and my daughters that have the same values that I do. So I'm going to intentionally dial up those relationships. I'm going to make chances for my kids to hang out with those people on a regular basis because they love my kids like I do. And by the way, you can tell how much somebody loves you by the way they treat your kids. Now, here are the questions that we're going to ask over the next three weeks. What are you doing to enhance your child's relationship with you? Years ago, and, and we're just going to bring this up. I hadn't even asked anybody about it, but years ago, we uh, church I was at, we would have a week every year where we'd challenge people to turn off the TV and just hang out with the family. And this was before we had kids. Janie and I had so much fun. The only time I've ever played basketball with my wife was in one of these weeks. It was her idea. She said, let's go shoot baskets. I'm like, what? This was the girl who played basketball in high school, and she would hide at the end of the bench so maybe the coach wouldn't put her in the game. And if the coach did put her in the game, she would run behind the defender, get, in between, get the defender between her and her own teammate with the ball so they wouldn't throw it to her. Don't throw it to me. I'm not kidding. This is her. She says, let's go play basketball. I'm like, sweet. Went and played basketball. Went and got our frosty. We had a great time. But we're going to intentionally try to spend time with our spouses and with our kids, no matter what age your kids are. And we're going to see how many people take us up on the challenge. And one of the things I want you to do is I want you to write about the experience because I want to share some of your experiences, your good ones and your bad ones. Um, I, I heard several relationship experts say if you, want to, uh, if you want to make your family tighter, go camping. And the more disastrous the camping trip, the funnier the stories are years later and the more you sit around and reminisce. You know, so we're going to look at some opportunities to do that. Second question is, what are you doing to advance your child's relationship with God? When we were sitting around talking about family night, all of them had a favorite family night where we talked about a different Bible story. My favorite was when we acted out the story of Lazarus. And each one of us got to be Lazarus, you know, because the Bible talks about he had on tomb clothes and he died and he was in the grave four days. And, you know, his sister said, oh, Lord, don't roll back the stone because there'll be a stench. You know, we did the whole thing. And each of us got to be God and each of us got to be Lazarus. I mean, each of us got to be Jesus and Lazarus and everything. We would wrap them up like a mummy with toilet paper and then we'd lay them in all of these... Uh, these um, mats that we take around and pillows. That was the tomb. And then, you know, somebody got to be Jesus going, Lazarus, come forth! And it was so funny. We filmed it. And, uh, you know, it was fun busting out of the grave clothes and all of that stuff. If your kids were asked, what is the coolest story about God? What is the coolest family time where you were worshiping together? Would they even have a resource of things to draw from? And if not, why? Now's the time to make that decision. Then the last thing is, what are you doing to influence your child's relationship with those outside the home? I want to have the maximum influence possible with the people who will influence my kids. I want to build a team of influencers. 
Because these people are out here. <laughs> this actually is low and high, but this could be loser. <laughs> now, I, I don't want... You've got to be real careful, and we've, we've talked about this. We'll talk about it in the future. I don't want to label anybody a loser. And there's a fine line between um, asking my kids to serve by being around somebody who might not be real likable and putting my kids in danger. Danger, that's, just, that's a no-brainer. If there's danger, you ain't hanging out with my kids. There was a guy who came flying around the corner the other day, and he's done it many times. I, I just walked out and started taking down his license number. He stopped and rolled down. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm taking down your license number. Why? I said, because you're racing around this neighborhood, and you do it on a regular basis. I said, my kids are out here. Oh, no, sir, I don't do that. I said, yes, you do. I've seen you. I won't do it anymore. I said, I hope not. Have a good day. I mean, that's just a no-brainer. There are times we have to sacrifice and say to our kids, you know, maybe it's not that big a deal if your toy gets broken. We can replace the toy. Maybe it's not that big a deal if your couch gets colored on your $10,000 couch. Maybe the relationship's more important than the couch. Maybe you should have a chair like mine when it just doesn't matter. Um, you know what I'm saying? There... So we're going to talk about those boundaries and where, where the right place to, to place those boundaries are. If you're afraid for your child, if there's danger, you know, don't hang out with those people. But sometimes you have to be around folks that aren't that lovely and realize that you aren't that lovely either sometimes. I know I'm not. Um, what kind of difference would it have made if 20 years ago your parents had known about these dials? The worst decision you ever made what difference would it have made if your parents had dialed up, if your parents had been the type of parents that, that you respected them and you wanted to know because you saw them make wise choice after wise choice? What kind of difference would it have made? What if when you're about to make that critical decision that is the worst mistake of your life, what if God was right there and you knew never rely on what you think you know? Trust God, and He'll show you what to do. What, hap what would have happened in your life if God had been right there and you knew this verse and you, you, you um, relied on it? What would have happened if all of the bad influences had been dialed out in that moment you made that critical decision, people who loved you and really did care about the trajectory of your life were there to say, man, I think that's a bad choice. How would your life look different? Would it look different? I'm willing to bet it would. Now, here's the deal. We can't go back 20 years. It's not your parents' fault they didn't know this stuff. But you do. You've just been taught it. So what are you going to do with it? Let's make the decision now that we're going to be positive influences in our children's lives and that we're going to build in as many of these as possible. And that's the journey we're going to take over the next three weeks.